This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 22. I am not a good person. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Matthew chapter 19, verse 17, King James Version. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree. I am so glad to be back. Um, I had to take a little break just to catch up on things and to honestly just to breathe for a second. Um, I know most of you are probably experiencing the same levels of fatigue. 2020 has been absolutely crazy. Um, I feel like every time you feel like you're catching your breath, something else happens and then it's compounding and you know now is the time more than ever that we need to be mindful of what we take on and make sure that we're getting the appropriate amount of rest um, and not allowing ourselves to be pulled into toxic situations or what have you so i definitely um, appreciated a couple of weeks where I wasn't, you know, scrambling to try to get the episode put together, scrambling to study for the episode and study for everything else I had going on. Um, I didn't do as much relaxing as I had planned to do <laughs> during that break, but I did get some done. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad to be back to be able to do episodes and get back into what we were talking about. Um, And I encourage you, if you are burnt out and fatigued and not getting the appropriate rest and not taking care of yourself, to take a vacation um, and step back from some of your responsibilities to make sure that you are okay, because that's very important. Um, So I encourage you to do the same thing. So today's episode, I want to talk about this whole concept of being a good person. Um, I listened to or I watched a documentary on Netflix recently and they kind of went into this conversation somewhat and I felt very inspired to talk about it here because I know for me personally this is one of the things that um, really hindered my growth in Christ for a while. It took a while for my mind to shift and for me to realize um, that I was looking at myself from a very uh, jaded perspective and then Because of that, it was influencing how I, obviously how I thought of myself, how I viewed my relationship with Christ, but also then how I judged Christ's response to me. One of the most common things that we often ask is, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? But if you stop and think about the word good and how we define good, it's a very subjective term. It's relative. Something is good based on something being not good, right? If if you have only ever had one thing, um, 
you have nothing to compare it to. So for instance, um, the very first time that a baby eats food, they've never had food before. So their definition of that being good um, is, I don't want to say it's meaningless, but it's, it's very limited because they don't have anything to compare it to. Um, likewise, when you start talking to different people, for instance, um, the first time I ever had hummus, it was store-bought hummus. And I thought it tastes good, right? I'm like, oh, it tastes good. This is cool. Um, but then the first time I had my friend's homemade hummus, um, she's from the Mediterranean. So the first time I had, you know, this authentic homemade hummus, I was like, oh my goodness, store-bought hummus is trash. Why have I ever bought this? I have been missing out my whole life, right? But it's a comparison thing. So before I had had this, I thought this was perfectly fine. And of course, my friend hates store-bought hummus. She's always hated store-bought hummus because she grew up with the authentic thing. And I bring up that example just to point out that it's relative to your situation. It's relative to what you've experienced. And so when we say that a person is good, we're often comparing them to other people. So we look at those around us and we think that we, most of us think that we are good people, I would assume. Um, Hopefully if you think that you're not a good person, you're working on becoming a good person. But, you know, we look at things and we're like, yeah, I'm not out here killing people. I'm not out here, you know, um, trying to harm people. I'm not, you know, a bully. I, I don't, um, you know, I, I, I try to help those who are less fortunate. Um, I, you know, whatever else it is, you know, you're involved in this or that, you know, you've never stolen anything. You are, you're a law abiding citizen, you know, whatever it is, um, that you think, it, it defines what it means to be good. We, we look at these things and we say, yeah, I'm a good person, right? I'm a good friend. I am a good parent or whatever. Um, you know, I, 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 and you see these things on the news or in history books. Like um, I'm a huge fan of documentaries and you see some of the things that have happened in our world. A lot of things that they don't teach in history class from, you know, genocides that happened in Africa um, genocides that happened in Myanmar um, and in Cambodia. Um, And, you know, you look at what these people have done and you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, And of course, when you see this type of thing, you're like, yeah, I am a great person because I do not do these things. And I, um, you know, and I believe that in the face of this, I would be one of the people to stand up and say, you can't do this. So we look at that. And it gives us this perception that we are these kind of great people or these great human beings. But there is a verse in the Bible. It's Matthew chapter 19, verse 17, where a man comes up to Jesus and he calls him good teacher or good master or good good something. And um, Jesus's response to this man is, why are you calling me good? There is no one good but the father. Um, And it's a very, it's a very hard statement um, because he's basically saying no person on earth is good. And when you think about what Christ was saying in that moment, um, it fundamentally changes how you look at yourself if you truly understand it. Because what he's saying is that, as I mentioned, we compare 
when we define good, we're comparing to some sort of standard. There is a standard that sets our pace to determine that we're good. So if we use human standards and we use mankind, sure, I believe that I'm a good person. I believe that you are probably also a good person. Um, there are, you know, there are a couple of people who are bad people, um, but most of the people I've met are good people. They're trying to be good people. I do think that that is a true statement. However, when we start to use God as the standard, um, when we start to use Christ as the standard of what it means to be good, we are not good people. We have all sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And um, at one point, I had to sit down and really think about what that means. And the reason that's important is um, in identifying yourself, I don't want to say your self-worth, it, it, it's about humility, okay? Um, because we have to realize what it is that Christ has given us. What is this grace that Christ has given us? Because, you know, we hear it all the time, like we can't keep the law, we've all fallen short, we all sin. And it seems very light, very... Um, very not that serious but when I stop and think about when I compare myself to Christ when I compare myself to God um, and I look at what I've done in my life and I, I look at how far away that is from God's goodness that's when you really see what he has given you what this gift of salvation is the fact that despite all of these things despite my sinful nature um, I can still be saved that I can fail and ask for forgiveness and be covered in the blood and that I can keep trying. I mean, the point is not to continue doing things over and over again, but it takes time for you to change and, and only the Holy Spirit can fix certain things. Um, and so I want to go into some of that because um, if you had met me when I was 20, and we started talking about, you know, God's standard. Um, my perception and, and what I thought would have probably gone kind of off, off into totally different tangents. But the standard of God's goodness is his law, right? He put that law there to show us what is correct. Um, I heard this once, and it, it's a great example, that the law is basically a mirror, um, and the mirror can't fix the problem, right? If you, if you look in the mirror and find out that you put your lipstick on wrong or your eyeliner and it's like, you know, you're, it, it's not appropriate, it doesn't look right, you, you need to fix it, um, the mirror can't help you fix it, right? Staring in the mirror, it, like that's not going to fix it. You have to go do something else. You, have, you know, you have to go wash your face or whatever. Um, it's the same concept. The law cannot fix us. Um, we can't even, you know, like I said, we can't keep the law. It is the grace that we get from God and um, this process of sanctification, of continually praying for, um, praying for the Holy Spirit, continually accepting the Holy Spirit, um, you know, staying in the word, um, allowing ourselves to be aware and to humble ourselves into realizing that we are flawed and that we are not as good as we think we are. Um, and of course, 
um, talking about it and spreading this word out to other people, this is what helps us to improve and to get better. So when I was 20, if you had put the Ten Commandments in front of me, I'd have told you I was a great person. Um, I, I didn't really feel like there was so much that I needed to do to work on myself. And that's what I mean by um, really using this to to understand and to humble ourselves into understanding that we're not good, that we're not perfect. Because it takes that admission for us to see ourselves as we truly are to start that process of being like, Lord, you got to fix me. I'm broke. I am so broke. What, what have I been doing my whole life? And after I watched um, an Amazing Facts sermon on uh, the kind of, I don't know, I think it was on a different topic. It was on the law. I don't remember exactly. It's been so long. It's probably been like a good eight years since I saw this sermon. So I'm not making any promises that I will be able to find it to link it in the show notes. But I watched this sermon and and they were going through the Ten Commandments and talking about the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. And as he started talking about the Ten Commandments, I realized that I was missing a lot of the points. And so I want to go back through the Ten Commandments and talk about um, them as as a terms of a standard to measure our goodness. And I'm going to show you exactly why I entitled this episode, I Am Not a Good Person, okay? So the first commandment is that we should not take any other God before Yahweh. And like I said, on the surface level, a lot of us would say, I worship the God of the Bible. Um, I do not acknowledge these other false gods and so I am good Um, but it's a lot deeper than that because we have this subconscious way of placing other things into more importance while we are vocalizing that we worship God and we may go to church we may even read the Bible um, God is not the person who has the most influence in our life Sometimes the person with the most influence in our life is a spouse, a parent, a a friend. Um, We may be idolizing people, celebrities. I mean, we have, I mean, there's American Idol. Like, that's literally the name of the show. I don't think that's really a relevant show anymore, but I I don't know because I never really watched it like that. But, like, people idolize celebrities and they, they have this desire to imitate them And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a celebrity. It can be um, a person within your own family, your own community. There are a lot of people out here idolizing pastors. um, And that's also very dangerous. In fact, I might argue that that's more dangerous. And so, you know, we have these habits where we start to become very dependent on these other things. We take these things above and beyond where they should be placed in our life. Um, And it becomes a thing where if pushed to it, you would choose what this other person has told you to do or, or you would choose to keep your reputation in the world rather than to follow what God is telling you. And if at any point that is true, then you have taken another God and put them in front of or in ahead of God the Father. And if I'm being honest, yeah, there's definitely been times when I have been more focused on me or more focused on what my parents want for me or, you know, what a friend thinks than God. There are times, I mean, 
you know, when I'm, I'm working on something or I'm thinking about something, um, you know, I'm asking my parents first, what do you think I should do instead of praying first? And I'm listening. And that's not to say that God's not going to give you a word through your parents or through your friends or whatever, but that wasn't even my mentality. It wasn't like I was seeking God first. I was trying to seek out advice from uh, local people. I was not keeping God in the center of the of everything that I did. He was not the most influential person in my life. And that is definitely a violation of the first commandment. Well, you know, you're like, okay, okay, maybe that's not too bad because I didn't do that intentionally, you know. Um, but the second commandment um, is about worshiping um, or creating uh, these these idols and these images. And a lot of times when I heard like the term images and things, uh, you know, you relate it to the Old Testament and you don't pay it that much attention. But there are a lot of images and a lot of ways that we worship and give power to objects that I think violate the second commandment. Um, for instance, um, I grew up in a semi, uh, I guess, superstitious fa- um, family. And there are people in my family who believe that you have to take the Bible into your house first. Like, so for instance, if you get a new apartment, you're supposed to take the Bible in first. Um, my grandmother used to sleep with the Bible under her pillow. She said it warded off nightmares and things like that. But the Bible is a book, right? The words within it have power because it's the word of the Holy Spirit. But the book itself is just a book, right? We're imbuing an object with, you know, powers or something. And that is dangerous, right? You have this other situation where they have this picture. Um, if you've been in any church, period, you have seen this picture of this white man. It was painted in, during like Renaissance era um, where people claim that this is Jesus. But it's not Jesus. That is not Jesus, Okay. Um, and this verse literally says that you should not, um, paint images of anything in heaven or anything like that and bow down to it or worship it. Um, and yes, a lot of people are like, well, I don't bow down to this image. I don't worship this image, but the fact that you have accepted this image and that you're talking about this image as though it is Jesus. Um, I had a friend in grad school who went to China and took one of these pictures with him and was walking around asking people if they knew who this person was. And he was like so disheartened that they were saying no. And I was like, to be honest, if you showed me that picture, I'd also say no, because I have no idea who that man is. Like, that's not Jesus. Um, But you could tell that in his mind, that was Jesus. And so while he doesn't think that he is bowing to it or worshiping it, when he says he's worshiping Jesus, that's the image that he's picturing in his head and that is also a problem and many of us have accepted that image and have accepted um, these types of things and like I said if you are um, of some of the other faiths like Catholicism they incorporate incorporate things like the rosary they go and they kiss the foot of that statue that is not Peter they just decided to call it Peter Um, there's all of these types of things that have infiltrated the church that people think are okay, that we're doing, that God has told us not to do. Um, And then there is, of course, this idea of taking the Lord's name in vain. And as I said, you know, I used to think of it solely in the context of using the GD word, 
some people also um, include, you know, phrases like, you know, oh my God, because they say it's, it's using the Lord's name in like a, a, a form of like emptiness. Um, it is interesting because God is not actually his name, right? God is like a, a word that we use. It's like saying mom or, or, or dad that really could apply to anybody. Um, but, you know, definitely in the United States, if you say God, more often than not, people are going to assume you're talking about the God of the Bible or the God of Abraham. And so by saying that you are inherently kind of conjuring up his name, and I'm not going to lie, I have used, um, you know, OMG multiple times, I guess, within my lifetime. You know, I have, I don't really know if I, if I agree that that's using the Lord's name in vain or not. Um, I'm still kind of praying and, and feeling on that, though I do try not to use it. But as I really thought about this particular commandment, there was actually something else that I realized that I am guilty of and many others are guilty of that I think is far more egregious. And that is um, claiming to represent God and not actually representing him appropriately. So there have been many people. um, There's a Bible verse where it says many will come in my name. Um, beware, you know, like beware false prophets. They will come in my name. Don't, don't follow them. And this is so true. Like there are so many churches. There are so many people who claim to be pastors, people who claim to be Christians, but they're doing things that are not of God. They're doing things that go completely against what God has taught in his word, but they're putting on this face to the world that they are Christians. And that's where a lot of confusion is and it turns people away from the true gospel of God and of Christ because they think that XYZ means Christian when it doesn't. Um, for instance, I just read an article where um, they did a study and they found that racism is more prevalent in white Christians than in white non-affiliated people in the United States. Well, you can't be a Christian, you can't be a true follower of Christ and be racist. That is a contradiction. That is an anomaly. You're not following Christ if you're also a racist. And so that's a problem. But those people will call themselves a Christian and they're presenting themselves as a Christian. So they are technically using the Lord's name in vain. And, you know, that is a, I guess, a drastic um, example, because I'm sure many, I hope many of you that are listening are not racist. And so you're like, yeah, I don't do that. But I mean, I have definitely not carried myself in the manner befitting a Christian. I have definitely slipped up and done something that's not Christ-like around people who know that I am a Christian, if you get what I'm saying. Um, and so we all end up doing these types of things where we, like I said, all have sinned and fallen short. I am currently you know, three for three, I have failed in, you know, keeping to these standards. And these are my relationship with God, right? The first four commandments deal with our vertical relationship. That is our relationship with God. And then the latter ones deal with our relationship to people. Now, as we keep going, we'll see if I do better with my relationship to people as I did with, than I did with my relationship to God. So the fourth commandment is about keeping the Sabbath. Now, I want to do a whole episode um, on the Sabbath um, because I have a feeling I'm going to say some things here that some of the listeners are going to be like, what? 
Um, okay. And so we'll go deeper into this as other episodes come, but for now, you know, just, just go with it. Okay. Um, the Sabbath is the seventh day. A lot of people are, um, mistakenly keeping the first day, which is Sunday, but the Sabbath is actually the seventh day. So from a technical standpoint, if you are not keeping the seventh day, um, you, we have broken the Sabbath and I grew up keeping the first day. I grew up in a Baptist church, so I can, I can sit there right there with you and say there have been long, long periods where I did not keep the Sabbath holy. Now, like I said, you know, we haven't really gotten into that discussion. Many of you probably do keep the first day and that may or may not actually make much sense to you. But for the rest of the discussion on the Sabbath, you know, you can go ahead and pretend like, you know, Sunday is actually the Sabbath. And to think about it, about have you actually been keeping Sunday as a Sabbath? Um, because it was supposed to be a day that was set apart for God. It was supposed to be set aside as a holy day all the way back to creation. Um, it was supposed to be different than other days. We're not supposed to work. We're not supposed to require other people to work. And um, as a result of this, we shouldn't be buying or selling because if we're buying, that means somebody else is working because they're selling us something. And if we're selling, that means we're working. So, you know, there were these things about, you know, kind of just taking that day to enjoy God, enjoy nature, enjoy your family, things like that. Um, and, you know, definitely for most of my life, I, you know, every day was basically the same, even for Sunday, like Sometimes I went to church, sometimes I didn't. Not to say that church is synonymous with keeping the Sabbath. I want to put that out there. But, you know, like after that, I went and did whatever I wanted to. I might go watch TV, play video games. I have definitely worked both on Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, I was just kind of doing my own thing. It was not set apart. I did not consciously stop and think about the fact that this day was God's holy day or anything like that. And I would wager most other people are in the same boat. And even as I have started to keep the Sabbath, there are still days when I can't really control my mind. Like there are times when my thoughts just wander and I may be worrying about things that are out of my control, which is, again, not really taking the time to take off. You know, I'm still thinking about work or I'm still thinking about what I need to do. Um, there have been times where I, I really want to do something for me. And so even though I'm not doing it, I'm kind of rushing the Sabbath along. It's like, oh, I can't wait for the Sabbath to end so that I can watch whatever show that I want to watch or so that I can go to the mall and, and you know, get whatever I want to get or, you know, just little things like that. And so there there is definitely a part of me um, that still struggles with keeping the Sabbath. So those are the laws that or the standard um, for my relationship with God. And I can tell you, I have failed, right? I struggle with all of these at various points. Um, there are highs and lows. And when I think, when, like I said, when I humble myself and look at it, I'm like, wow, I, I'm not doing that great of a job with my relationship with God. I'm not good at, you know, respecting it, him and respecting his authority and putting him in his proper place and, you know, showing him that reverence. So, you know, I was hopeful that I was a lot better towards my fellow man. 
So the first commandment that deals with my relationship to my fellow mankind is the one about honoring your mother and father. Um, I don't think there is a single person alive that can say they have never disrespected their parents. Um, I grew up in one of those houses where you will get slapped into next week if you sass your mother. Um, you know, I, I definitely, I mean, I've been that person that's looking at other people like, how dare you say that to your parent? That is rude. And my mama would not stand for that. But at the same time, definitely in my teenage years, in my preteen years, when I went through that like moody phase, I definitely remember, you know, slamming doors, saying, leave me alone. Uh, you don't get it. Um, definitely have disobeyed them um, or uh, done something, you know, outside of their presence that they have not taught me to do or that they would be ashamed to know that I have done or whatever, you know, Things that just don't align with how they have taught, you know, how they have raised me to be. And so I, I definitely can say that I have dishonored my mother and father here on earth. Um, you know, interestingly, again, uh, this commandment, while it does deal with our earthly relationships, there is a spiritual aspect that when you say honor your mother and father, you do have a father in heaven. And by breaking those fourth those first four commandments, I have dishonored my father in heaven. So I have also broken this commandment as well. Um, the next commandment, thou shalt not kill, right? This is great. I have never killed anybody, okay? I've never murdered anybody. I am good. Unfortunately, there is more than one way to kill somebody. So we often think of this commandment in the terms of a physical murder, but um, you can also kill somebody's spirit. And I have definitely, um, I, I, I have mentioned multiple times that I've worked very hard to, um, I guess, kind of put a filter on my mouth and to think before I speak. Um, in my anger, um, I have definitely said things to people that may have killed their spirit. Um, and this is one of those things that you may not even know. Um, you may say things to people and you may not even know how you're affecting them, especially when you're dealing with strangers um, because you don't know what people are going through and what else is happening. Um, but I definitely have said things that may have been too harsh or have gone too far. And, you know, you've seen kind of the light dim in a person's face um, because you hit them so hard. And so that's definitely a form of murder. So while I have not killed a person physically, I probably have killed a person's spirit, um, both unintentionally and probably intentionally. So I definitely have failed there. The next commandment that we have to look at a standard is um, that we should not commit adultery. Again, one that on the surface, I'm like, yep, I'm not married. I've never been married. I have never broken my uh, wedding vows, therefore, I am good to go, right? Um, however, you know, this, again, is something that you can look at from a spiritual perspective. Um, within the Old Testament, multiple times, God accuses Israel of committing adultery 
by worshiping false gods and by being disobedient to God. So the fact that I have been disobedient to God at some point in my life means that I have committed adultery um, in a spiritual sense, um, even if I've never committed it in a physical sense. So I failed there too. Um, Then we have that we should not be stealing, right? I have never intentionally stolen something, um, though, again, I probably have accidentally picked up. Actually, I take that back. I have intentionally stolen something. Um, So when I was a kid, I was probably maybe like 11 or 12. My neighbor's dog had puppies, and one of the puppies followed me home, and I kept it. I did not ask for permission. I just took this dog, so that's technically stealing Eventually I did, you know, eventually my, my neighbor was looking for the dog and I was like, yep, it's here. And, um, you know, eventually I got permission to keep the dog, but from a technical sense, I kind of stole that dog. Um, I don't know if God would consider that theft or not, but, um, you know, that's probably the closest thing to intentional theft that I've committed, uh, but then as I was going to say before, I thought of that situation, Um, I probably have accidentally stolen somebody's like pencil Like you know, you're in class and you're like, hey, can I borrow your pencil? And you totally forget and you never give it back. Um, You know, like tiny things like that. You pick up a pin at, you know, the bank. This is why they chain them to the desk, I guess. You, you know, there have been times where you just accidentally pick up things and forget to give it back to a person. Um, Definitely that has probably happened. Um, You know, I've had situations where you know maybe like you go to check out at the store and they forgot to ring up something and you notice it when you get home I I didn't go back you know and be like hey you forgot to ring this up um so you know they, I mean they kind of gave it to me but I I could have been more intentional about it or, or whatever so it's kind of kind of like stealing but stealing goes beyond this physical aspect just like with murder there's there's more to it than just stealing a physical object we can steal joy we can steal time right um we can steal recognition from people these are also ways of taking from someone and you know i have definitely wasted people's time before Um, I probably, like I said, I've had trouble with my mouth and my tongue, um, throughout my life. So I've probably stolen somebody's joy, um, by accident and on purpose. Um, I don't think I have stolen anyone's recognition, but you never know. Um, you know, you take the thunder from people. Um, all of these things are also examples of stealing and I clearly have failed. So then we come to this concept of bearing false witness. Most of us simplify this down to lying. And I don't think anybody will say like, oh, I've never lied, right? I No, but we'll be like, oh, you know, I've only told like little white lies. Those count um, because this does not say, uh, you know, you know, only certain kinds of of, of false witness. Um, And in some cases, those little white lies can be detrimental to people. We think we're doing the right thing, but maybe we're not. Um, But even beyond the little white lies, this concept of bearing false witness goes into like gossiping. Um, And, 
So for instance, you hear something, you think it's true, and you continue to talk about it, right? Um, but you don't actually know. Um, you are defaming this person's character, and you don't know if that's true or not. So you could be bearing false witness, and this could be for good or for bad. And so, um, you know, we really do have to be careful um, what we're saying and things like that. But uh, like I said, most of us have at some point heard something and said something to somebody else and been like, oh, yeah, I heard uh, this, that and the other. Even if you're not doing that to your friends, hopefully you're not doing that to your friends. I think we're all guilty of that for celebrities, right? When things happen with, I mean, things just happened with Will and Jada and the whole, um, I forgot his name, uh, the singer and their whole little uh, entanglement. Everyone was talking about it and giving their opinion about, you know, what happened. And even though they may be saying, well, I think this or I think that, you know, n none of us are there. We don't know what happened. We, again, bearing false witness because we don't actually know and we're not witnesses to the situation. Um, this happens a lot with celebrities where people are inserting their opinions, inserting what they think happened. Um, you know, someone makes an announcement and people are trying to connect dots and figure out what happened here and what happened there and they're putting ideas into the air and people will believe what they think sounds plausible. These are all ways that we bear false witness and I am guilty of doing this just like the next person. Um, and the final commandment that God gave us in the Ten Commandments was about coveting. He said that we should not be coveting that which is not ours, that which is not rightfully ours. And this one is a difficult one because I think coveting goes um, a lot deeper than just, I want this, right? Um, I think it's one thing for you to be like, I want to work hard so that I can buy my own house, or I want to work hard so that I can have this degree or, or make this amount of money or, um, you know, whatever it is, there, there are, you know, there are things that we want. And I'm, I'm not sure that coveting is just wanting something, but there is definitely a thing about one, not being content with what you have, and two, being willing to do anything to get there. Um, this is one of the issues with greed and the fact that people say, you know, the, the root of all evil is the love of money because you're willing to do anything, including harm other people um, to get what it is that you want. That's definitely a covetous behavior. Um, but then there's also this aspect of jealousy and envy because sometimes when we experience covetousness, it's not so much like, oh yes, I would go out and kill somebody so that I could have this car or so that I could have this house or whatever. Um, but we start to develop um, anger towards people. Uh, I definitely remember um, both of my parents have experienced this and I witnessed it and it was, it was interesting. Um, when my dad was younger, before I was even born, he tells me this story all the time. Um, he had a sports car that he bought and it was actually like an old model. It wasn't like, oh, I went out and bought a brand new sports car. It was, you know, like a like a kind of beat up old model that he had gotten, you know, a used car that he had bought. And uh, when he showed up to work, um, somebody who was more seasoned in the job got upset that my dad was driving the sports car and he did not have a sports car because, you know, he had already started his family. So he had a wife and kids and, you know, money is allocated to different resources, whereas my dad was newly married and um, 
I was not born yet. I wasn't even a thought yet. So, you know, they were enjoying their newlywed phase. And so it, this person started making the job difficult. Um, and then I actually witnessed the same thing also about a car with my mom when I was in middle school. Um, my mom's car died, and so my parents had to get a new car. And my mom's boss at the time was very upset. She um, had gotten pregnant at a very late age. She was, I think, almost like 50 or already in her 50s when she got pregnant. And her husband um, had taken her car, and I think he might have actually been cheating on her or something. There was a lot going on. Um, But she had been given like a mama van type of a car, and she felt a way about it. And so when my dad bought my mom you know, a, a, a new car, it, obviously it wasn't a sports car, um, because at that point, you know, I existed and we had to be able to fit the whole family in the car, but it, you know, it was like a SUV. It was kind of, you know, I guess hip or whatever. Um, you know, she became jealous and then she started taking it out on how she treated my mom. And I've noticed that we, um, in general, that's, this is what we do. When we see people have things that we want that we can't get or that we can't have, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to go out and try to procure this for myself. It's I'm going to treat this person poorly because I'm jealous. And that is a symptom of covetedness. Um, and I think that this is very, very hard for people in my age group, those of us who are millennials, the people coming after us as well, because social media makes it so easy to see people's lives on display. And a lot of times it's not even real, but we become jealous of what people have and what people are doing. Um, And I can honestly say, like, I have been victim of that too. Um, Not necessarily, I don't think I have started treating people poorly um, because of these things, because I don't think it's been that close to home Um, but I can honestly say you know when I was in graduate school and my friends were getting married buying houses buying new cars you know I while I was happy for them I definitely felt a way about it you know I'm like what am I doing like I'm still in grad school I'm still broke Um, what what's happening Um, so there was this aspect of I guess covetedness because I wanted that and it wasn't the time for me to have that um, I've also experienced this. I used to be a huge HGTV fan. I had to stop because I've definitely been covetous when I'm looking at this show and people are coming on there saying that they pick leaves out of the dirt, um, part time. And, and the wife is a, uh, you know, a bead counter for a company that doesn't even exist every other year and they have a budget of like a million dollars and they're out buying these you know extravagant houses and you're like what how did you do that how are you what like you know you just see these crazy things and you're like wait I'm not making that kind of money at a normal job what is it that you do um and you know of course I'm exaggerating about these job descriptions but you know it's not like it's, it's usually not like they're saying I'm an entrepreneur and I started my own business and you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess they made a lot of money in that regard. Or, you know, it's not like they're saying like I'm a doctor or I'm a lawyer or I'm a CEO of some company. It's usually something really 
like bizarre that you're like, I can't imagine you having that kind of a budget. How did you get that budget? And you start feeling away and there is a sense of covetedness. Um, you know, I definitely remember asking my parents one time, I think there was one episode where, you know, the people's parents were like paying the, the, the down payment and stuff like that. And I'm like, how come y'all don't have that kind of money? Right. There is this sense where you're like, I want what those people have. And that's not what you have. That's not what, that's not the path God created for you. So, um, as we have concluded all 10 of these commandments and thought about this standard that compares us to God instead of man, um, I can tell you without hesitation that I completely failed. I have definitely broken all 10 commandments. Um, I am not a good person um, when I compare myself to God. Um, I do think that I am a good person in comparison to the average human being, but that's not saying much because we failed as a race. Um, and when I say race, I mean the human race, because there is no other kind of race if you want to be technical. But that's another conversation. So, um, you know, it, it definitely, the first time I stepped through this on my own in private and recognized how far from God I was, um, because at the time I was still actively doing things. I mean, not to say that I you know, that I will ever be perfect, but you know, there's, I'm now aware, right? So I can put things in place. I can pray about it. I can ask the Holy spirit to fix me and I can try to improve and things like that. But at that point I was like, Oh snap, I'm a horrible person, you know? And like, cause I was actively in it and it's definitely a, a new way to look at yourself when you look at this and you're like, I, okay. And once I made that connection, that's when I truly understood that I don't deserve anything God has given me. God has been over and abundant in being gracious. He has um, created me at a time where I have more rights than I would have ever had at any time in the history of mankind because I am both black and female and both of these groups have only recently been given rights to do things. I mean, there's still a lot to be done, but you know, had I been born at any other time period, I would not have had the experiences that I had, the rights that I had. Um, he brought me into a loving family. He brought me into the world completely healthy. He has given me opportunities. Um, he has gotten me through school. He got me a job. I have a roof over my head. Um, and, you know, I did not hold up my end of the bargain for a very large portion of my life. And even now, as I have kind of started to realize how far away from him I was, I still am not great at succeeding in, in, you know, getting to, to him and, and, and closing that gap. And he still is providing, he is still, you know, coming up out of the, the woodworks and showering me with love. And when you really are able to put yourself in that perspective, it completely shifts how you approach your relationship for God, um, with God. And it definitely was a turning point in my growth. Um, I feel like I was completely stagnant until I was able to admit to myself that I was not a good person. And I wanted to put this episode here 
um, and allow you guys to marinate on that. I know it's a lot to take in, but I wanted you to be able to reflect on that and do some some uh, self-searching and, you know, kind of process that before we start going into the next part of the series and the next part of, of the podcast for this season, because I I wanted us to go into it with that mindset of humility and trying to get closer to God and, and being able to compare ourselves to his standard as opposed to man's standard. And, you know, I do think that there is something for your sanity to remind yourself that, okay, I'm not perfect because we're not going to be perfect. Um, but to be able to go back and be like, okay, okay. So I am doing okay from a human standpoint compared to other people. I'm doing okay, but I need, I still need to keep working to do better you know, from a God standard, right? Because you don't want to, you don't want to completely depress yourself and totally lose it. Because like I said, um, even after you make the recognition, you're still going to struggle because no one can keep the law. That's why God sent Jesus to save us. Um, and so, yeah, that is all I have for today. Um, definitely. I will put up the show notes, www.psalmstogod.com. It will include uh, some more commentary on this and uh, links to the exact verses for the Ten Commandments for those who are a little rusty on the Ten Commandments and maybe some links to other verses from the Bible um, where God talks about goodness and sin. Um, And, you know, I hope that this is helpful for your journey. Um, I hope it's not too painful because I know the first time I realized that I was very embarrassed and it took me a while to admit things to myself. So, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up. Um, because like I said, we're all in the same boat and all we can do is try to help each other get to the life raft. And that is why I wanted to share this with you. So have a great week and I will see you guys next week. Bye.